listening to the podcast of minister, author, blogger, Marilyn Darty. Prepare yourself to fly above what you thought you knew and see things from a different angle. Be blessed by today's message. Have you ever wondered why we don't see the supernatural in ways that the Bible described that it should be? We are so excited to announce that Marilyn will be teaching a series titled, The Gifts of the Spirit. In this series, Marilyn will release a revelation from the Word of God that the Lord has given to her concerning the operation of the Holy Spirit in the church today. Marilyn feels the Lord has instructed her to release this message for this hour. I would like to encourage you to share this podcast to as many believers as possible. Be blessed by today's message. Tonight, I'm excited about this lesson. Look there with me, if you will, at Ephesians 4 and 11. The Word of God said, and He gave some prophets, I'm I'm sorry, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then turn with me to Romans 14 and 19, or you can follow me there on the slides. Therefore, let us pursue the things which produce peace and the things that build up one another. Now, the human body has five senses for its protection and its care. Well, when Jesus left his body here on earth, in order to protect it, he left us, more or less, with five gifts, or if you want to say five senses, to ensure that this body would be taken care of. He did not leave us defenseless. In fact, he said, it is imperative or it is very important that I go away. He said, because if I go not away, then the Holy Spirit cannot come to you. But if I go away, he will come and he will do all things for you. He will guide you into all truth. We talked about that last week. All the things that the Holy Spirit would do for us. And so tonight we find that when he left, he left these gifts, this five-fold ministry gift. And these gifts were released by Jesus during his ascension. And a lot of people call these the ascension gifts. In order for these offices to work together, they and, and to accomplish the building up of the body, they have to recognize the differences in each work that they do and not only recognize the differences in each ministry, but they've got to submit to one another. Amen? There should not be any jealousy in the body over a gift that God has given. Not Now, I want you to look, not if you look at it as if it's one of the five senses, because it's a natural element of the body. I mean, I appreciate my sight, but I appreciate my sense of smell as well. I really appreciate my sense of taste. 
I told Terry, eating is a pleasure to me. I wish I need to go get a psychological evaluation because I need to learn that eating is uh, something to keep me alive, not eating to live. Amen? You know, that's my problem. I eat to live rather than, oh, well, I'm not going to go there tonight. Uh, <laughs> but each of these offices is directly responsible to the Lord and is directed by the Holy Spirit um, to the work of service. Every one of these five-fold ministries. And these are the ministry gifts given by Jesus. In fact, they are not the manifestation gifts of the Spirit. They are not these nine gifts that we talked about. Why? Because the gifts of the Spirit are given to every spirit-filled believer as the Spirit wills. Jesus selects certain people to hold offices in his church to carry out the responsibility of leadership. These gifts are handed out and mandated to certain individuals in the church, and he's responsible for giving these fivefold ministries. And he said that they are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They are Christ's gifts of leaders to his church. Their responsibility is to lead the church and to train the members for what? Ministry. And I don't want you to forget that. They are to train us for ministry. In other words, leaders are to produce leaders. Did you hear what I said? Like produces like. When Lonnie Darty and I married, we produced like. When you look at my son, he has a face just like me. My other son has a face just like my brother <laughs> or my father. Buster Payne will never be dead as long as Bradley Darty lives. But like produces like. And so any living organism that is healthy will produce and replicate itself. These ministries are given to the body of Christ as a gift, and a gift is not earned. You don't go to a college and get this gift. You don't uh, study to get this gift. You don't go to seminary to get this gift. Mama don't give this gift to you. Daddy don't give this gift to you. I don't care if mama says you're called to preach or you're called to teach or you're called to be a prophet. They do not give you the gift. It is given to you by Jesus Christ. And these offices, uh, no one can appoint another person into this office. Now, the Holy Spirit uh, may use the church leadership to confirm the call of God on an individual. And I know a lot of times as a church body, we will lay hands on people who are used in these ministries and we will set them forth into the ministry. But we do not appoint them or call them into a ministry. That is done by the Holy Spirit or by Jesus Christ. Now, the Old Testament is a different story altogether. Officers were inherited from one generation 
of a particular family to the next. The genealogy regarding spiritual inheritance stopped with Jesus. You don't find in the New Testament anywhere where an apostle's son or an apostle's daughter handed down a gift or handed down an office to one of their children. But in the Old Testament, you will see a lot of times where if one served as a priest in an office, that their son, their sons, most of the time, served in that office. But you will not find that in the New Testament because Jesus Christ left these gifts and he is the one who hands them out. And so that's why, if you'll notice, there are no recorded inheritances of the anointing from any of the apostles of their children. Jesus operated in all five of these ministries' gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, and teacher. The church that Jesus is building will be a church that looks just like him. And I don't know if we look like him yet. In fact, I'll go so much as, as to say we do not look like him yet. We are pressing toward that mark. We are trying to get there. We, we haven't arrived yet. We have not arrived yet. But we're, we're pressing toward that. And so sometimes I, I tell people, no, I, I haven't, I'm not like Jesus yet. I, I want to be like him. I'm looking to be like him. One day it says that when you see me, I, shall, I will look just like him. You're going to say, Wow. <laughs> What happened to you? I remember you years ago. I remember what you were years ago. Not anything like I'm going to be there. But the fivefold gifts are given by Christ to the church as his ascension because he expected them to operate in his church. All five ministry gifts are needed in equipping the saints for the perfecting of the saints and for the edifying of the body of Christ. They're all needed. Now, I heard someone say years ago, well, there are no more apostles. Ridiculous. Of course there are apostles. The church today has certainly not come into full maturity and in the unity of faith, which proves that the fivefold ministry still needs to function and to be established in the body of Christ. But the church needs every function of the ministry gifts by but sadly, very few Christians recognize all of them. And so tonight, let's talk about apostles. This, this gift that so many people say is not active today. Apostles are the first and prophets are second among the ministry in building the church of God because they lay a foundation of understanding concerning the ministry of Christ. Unfortunately, there are two ministries that are these are the two ministries that are least recognized in the church today and some even say that after Paul died the office of the apostleship died with him but this is wrong there were others after him that were considered apostles god is bringing back this order into his church and is fully restoring the ministry of the apostles and prophets when we look at the current state of the church people, it's clear that it needs a significant shift and change. And that's what I'm trying to tell us tonight. When, so let's look at the first ministry and 
since it's first listed, I can't help but assume that it's probably one of the most important of the five. Hebrews 3 and 1 tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. And then after him came the twelve and then Paul. And then there were those called the apostles who were included in the twelve and Paul. And then this level came. It included James, the Lord's brother, Galatians 1.19, Barnabas, if you're taking notes, Acts 14 and 4, and Romans 16 and 7, Andronicus and Junius, which was probably a woman. And somebody says, well, women weren't apostles. Junius was a woman. And also, uh, Phoebe was an apostle, which carried the letter that Paul wrote to Rome. I think that's pretty impressive when they say women shouldn't have a role in ministry. And all these were identified as apostles. What's great about this last group is that this last group continues to our day. We're living in the last days. And so if they were, were apostles, if these people, Barnabas, Junius, James, and they were in the last days, then we still have apostles. The word apostle literally means sent one. And it refers to person who is sent on a special mission. And in a broader sense, it refers to messenger or delegates who are sent by the church. Now, Paul sent delegates to specific places to confront devils. Signs and wonders followed them. They traveled quite often, and miracles followed them. And a lot of times, they planted churches. They were spirit-filled people, people of prayer, devoted to the truth of the gospel and personal purity. Some people may think that I'm stretching the truth just a little bit here. But I think my husband may have served in some capacity as a modern-day apostle. Because when Lonnie and I were pastoring many, many, many years ago, we worked at Stanford, started with four people, and he built that church in two years from four to 120. And then in the early 80s, we started the work here at Lexington Road with a handful of people and stayed here seven years and built this church to 120 to about 150 when we left. And I believe not only that he would be considered an apostle or someone that would build churches, and everywhere Lonnie went, and he used to aggravate me to death because he was always building. I thought, can't you ever go somewhere that, that it's kind of set, amen, like these other preachers? Why do we always have to go somewhere where you got to build something or, or where we got to, you know, work so hard? Why can't we just go to a congregation where everything's set when we go in? He said, that's not my call. Why didn't you tell me that when we started? (laughs) But I believe not only was Lonnie a modern-day apostle, but I believe that the apostles in our day were not only the men or Lonnie that started the work, but those people, those church members who worked alongside my husband when we started this church, and there are men and women that are here in this congregation that 
worked alongside us, toiled alongside us, building this church some 40 years ago. We would go, I mean, door to door visiting, knocking on doors and working. When we were building this site out here, we would go over to uh, the campgrounds and work at the cafeteria and just about kill ourselves and uh, raising money for the grounds here. I consider those people apostles. They don't get much recognition, but I believe that there is going to be a great reward for them. And I'm going to tell you something. We owe a great debt to people like that. You're sitting in a comfortable place tonight because somebody paid an awesome price. Amen. Here at this ground, at this grounds. Whew. And then the next one is prophets. The narrow meaning that Paul uses here is not the same gift found in Joel 2:28 when he said, "Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy." This was a form of prophetic speech. This role of prophet was one who gave prophecies. Paul's letter indicates that prophets were in the local church. Acts 13 and 1, in the church that was in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mania, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tatriarch, and Saul. Now, some prophets predicted the future and some gave messages of encouragement. And I have seen many a discouraged Christian who need a prophetic word of encouragement, who needed a, a word of comfort, and a prophet will be moved upon by the Holy Spirit with a word uh, from God or a word for a church, a word for a nation. This is what a prophet does. You may be the one to whom the Holy Spirit may give a word that would encourage them. And we have many prophets today and many who call themselves prophets. We have prophets in this congregation. I won't name any of them tonight, but you know who they are. But we do have prophets in our own church who have come to you and given you a word of encouragement or a word from the Lord, and it has made a huge impact in your life. They live holy. They're righteous, and when a word is given by one of them, you may as well take it to the bank because whatever they say, it's going to come to pass, and it has always made a difference in your life. And then the next one is evangelist. 2 Timothy 4 and 5 says, But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. I think a good biblical role model for an evangelist is Philip the evangelist. He went to Samaria and preached the gospel in that city. And uh, many of the Samaritans who heard him and saw the miracles that he did were saved and baptized in water. And later, the angel of the Lord sent Philip on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza to a single individual. And the Bible says on the road to Gaza, the, ev the evangelist met an Ethiopian he was a eunuch who was reading Isaiah 53. And the eunuch was sitting there reading the book and didn't understand who he was reading about. And Philip began to explain to him what he was reading and turned him 
or changed him, uh, persuaded him to become a Christian, and baptized him in water. All God's people are to be witnesses. That's what all of us are called to be. But all of us are not called to be evangelists. Uh, evangelists are special, special people. They are gifted to inspire others to accept Christ. Um, we have evangelists in our congregation. That five-fold ministry or one of those ministries operates here in our congregation. We should bless them and pray for them. David Farthing is one of our evangelists. And with today's technology, guess what? He's going all over the world and preaching and teaching the Word of God. He gets online, and he's preaching in Pakistan, of all things. We have an evangelist. I, I'm not real sure what Roy does, but he's a modern-day missionary. Nobody, what? He doesn't have to say, I, I can't hear a thing you're saying, Roy. Probably doesn't want me to even say anything about this. But I'm telling you that we have ministries in the gift that operate in our body and we have, it's necessary for us to have these. And when I think of evangelists and who they are and what they are, who can explain Billy Graham? Have you, less, have you listened to his messages? I've gone back and listened to some of Billy Graham's messages. In fact, I'll just tell you that he's the one who won me to Christ. I was 18 years old, sitting in my living room, and listen to this preacher. I've gone back and listened to some of his preaching. It's the simplest preaching I've ever heard anywhere. And now after listening, and man, I'm a preacher connoisseur. I love good preaching. I love good preaching. I get on YouTube and I listen to all kinds of preaching. All these profound messages of the century. To me, when I listen to Billy Graham, there is no other that can persuade a crowd like Billy Graham with a simple message of Jesus Christ. And he persuaded millions and millions and millions. And in fact, I would even dare to say probably billions of people as he reached them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He often said himself, I'm not a pastor. God has called me to be an evangelist. It's important to know your role. So pastor and teacher. Acts 20, 27 through 28. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourself and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own, which he bought with his own blood. Now the word pastor means shepherd. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. And he was our supreme example of what a pastor should be. As important as a pastor is, church leaders are often, church leaders are only spoken of as pastor one time in the scriptures. And that's the scripture that I read to you tonight, Ephesians 4 and 11. Pastor, one time, that word, pastor. 
It is one of the equipping gifts. The emphasis is on feeding the flock of God, nurturing God's people through teaching them the word of God. And we have an excellent pastor here at the Lexington Road of God, Le Lexington Road Church of God. Amen. Give him a better hand than that because he deserves it. He is a great shepherd, and that's the word we should use. In fact, he shows love and compassion. Show me a church without a pastor, and I'll show you a church that won't last very long. You can't go anywhere without a leader, and if the leader doesn't lead, you go nowhere. The gift of a pastor is very important. It is an equipping gift for every church. Today, a number of churches have more than, a, have more than one pastor. And I incidentally think that this is biblical. We have several that fall under that pastoral row right here in our church. But let me take some liberty tonight and suggest that we add to our pastoral staff. Let me explain. I've always assumed that the one pastor system was the pattern followed in the overwhelming majority of the church. That's the, that's the pattern that's followed in the overwhelming majority of the churches today, that that was what was founded in the scriptures. But nothing could be further from the truth. Did you hear what I said? Nothing could be further from the truth. Because as I began to earnestly study the scriptures on the issue of church leadership, I saw a pattern emerge. I, Acts 14.23 says, And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And Acts 20, 17, 28. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. He said unto them, Take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. Philippians 1 and 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Church at Philippi, bishops and deacons. We're not talking about just men on a board. We're talking about bishops and deacons at one church. Elders are pastors. For this cause, here we are, Titus 1.5, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. There was this man who hit another man's parked car. The offender got out of his car and began to write a note. The note said, Everybody's looking at me right now, thinks that I'm leaving my name and address and phone number. I'm not. Good luck. 
you know, that's kind of kind of funny because the man knew it, even if someone didn't look at him, he knew the right thing to do. As we listen to these messages, Marilyn has asked us at times, if we feel led, give a monetary gift to her as a blessing. If you're like me, you felt it. And I have given to her because I know that as we do, we're sowing a seed into a woman of God that has a calling on her life for such a time as this. And and I don't have to explain to you, if you've heard any of her podcasts at all, you understand that the Lord has been given her words for this season that we're in. And I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do through her in these times that we're living in. If you would like to give a monetary gift to Marilyn Darty, you can do this at paypal.me forward slash Marilyn Darty. Venmo her Marilyn dash Darty dash one or go to Amazon.com and check out the books that she has available. Her website is MarilynDarty.com. There you can read her blogs, find out more information about what's going on now. That's MarilynDarty.com. D-A-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. Elders. James 5, 14, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, appointing him with, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, this quotation from Acts 20 makes it clear that the elders and overseers are the same persons and that it is they who are given responsibility to shepherd or pastor the church of God. They, they, they. Again, shepherd is the literal meaning of the word pastor. The apostle Peter confirms that the terms elders and overseers refer to the same person and that their work is that of pastoring the flock. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 2. Listen to this and look there on the screen. The elders which are among you I exhort. Elders are shepherds. Who am also an elder. Peter said, I'm also an elder. Not just a man serving on a board. I'm an elder. And a witness of the suffering of Christ. And also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. So when we read in Ephesians 4 and 11, that scripture that I said, pastor, God has given some pastors, literally shepherds, can we not assume that this refers primarily to these elders or overseers and not to a one-man office about which the rest of the New Testament is completely silent? The point is that in the New Testament, churches were never shepherded by one man, whatever his title or designation, but by a plurality of men and women. I'm not trying to take anything away from our pastor. But I'm telling you that one pastor cannot do the job sufficiently. If the word of God says one pastor cannot do it, who are we to balk at that? Now before I get into the rest of this, I'm going to give a disclaimer here. God forbid that anybody think tonight, and especially our pastor, 
that I think that he's not doing all that he can to pastor our church in an effective manner. He's an excellent pastor, as I've said. And many of the things that I'm warning about tonight are not taking, uh, not taking place in our church, but I feel that it's imperative that we go over these. And if we are slack in any of these areas, I pray that the Holy Spirit will open our hearts and our minds to obey and listen to his will. So this is the question that I'm asking. What kinds of problems come from having just one man teaching and leading the congregation? What kind of problems? Number one, it perpetuates the distinction between clergy and laity. Now this is going to blow the place up. The answer is not to involve the laity but to abolish it. There is no laity. I saw a sign one time as Lonnie and I were traveling somewhere and it had on the outside of the church sign, minister, you know, where, all, you know, where we'll have the pastor's name on there. It said, all the members of the congregation... That's who the ministers were. All the members. Because we've got to do away with the idea that Christian work is the province of a special few. How are we to get the whole body involved in the work of the ministry if we separate, if we put them in a caste system that says there's ministers that there are pastors and laity. It was not so in the early church. All the body ministered. Everyone ministered. Everyone had a job. That's why the Holy Spirit poured out gifts in the body so that everyone did a work. Now, I'm not telling you all to pick up and go around and, and be the pastor and start doing administrative work and do what he does and take over the pulpit, but I am saying that if you would release some of the burden from Holly or from Pastor Bill and do the work of the ministry the way that God calls us to do, what a relief it would be for the body to do a work of ministry. What kind of problems comes from having one man teaching and leading the congregation. Remember, the elders are supposed to be training the body for the work of the ministry. If they're training us, then let us work. Number two, it causes believers to neglect their own responsibility. For You know, if, if there's a laity, if, we, if we're paying a pastor, then, then I don't have a responsibility here, right? Because it's a pastor's job to witness to the lost or encourage the believers or do in-depth Bible study or visiting the sick. And the list goes on and on and on because we're paying the pastor. But these are not only his responsibilities. These are my responsibilities to pick up the phone and call somebody that is sick, that I know that is sick, and call them and say, look, I want to pray for you or go to their home. 
this is not just the pastor's job. The only one working for the Lord in the community is the pastor, right? And in fact, his witness is impaired by the fact that he's perceived as he's the one that's getting paid to do the job. And how rare is serious Bible study outside the pastor's study. There is a widespread delusion that only the ordained pastor is qualified to mine the riches of God's word and that only he is responsible for using the word to encourage the brethren and warn the lost. And so as a result, men who have been believers in Jesus for 30 and 40 years and by this time ought to be teachers themselves are still being spoon-fed themselves when they ought to be teachers. When they ought to be teachers. When they ought to be teachers. It's pretty sad when you've got to part the mustache to put the pacifier in. In our churches today, there's not... This is not the unfortunate exception. It's the norm of all the damage weakened by the unscriptural system of handing over the ministry of the church to a single professional or in larger churches, a staff of professionals. This debilitating effect on the men and women of the congregation is perhaps the most tragic. What kinds of problems Come from this, it leaves little or no room for the exercise of the spiritual gifts other than the pastor in the gathering of the church. Number four, it denies the pastor the fellowship in the ministry that they so desperately need because usually the difference in spiritual vision and ministry responsibility between the pastor and the congregation is so wide and, so, and only meaningful fellowship is with other pastors who are co-laborers. In fact, they've got their own field to worry about. But they can't talk to anyone in their congregation because they're laity. And they wouldn't understand about the problems with ministry. This is terrible. If we all were partners in ministry, of course we would understand about the problems in ministry. When making decisions about the direction of the church, the pastor's viewpoint may be slanted toward his own desires. And though the pastor may earnestly try to seek the mind of the Spirit, how much better would it be for him to have a group of men and women to bounce his ideas off of? A ministry team formulating plans or making decisions with a group of godly men and women along with other believers to come along before him, beside him to pray about it, to be led by the Spirit of God. Since one man is given responsibility for the entire ministry of the church and since no one man has all the gifts, 
pastors are kind of forced into this, you know, doing all the work themselves and, and doing ministry gifts that they're not even gifted in. Who's to say that one pastor can do children's church and <laughs> be good at, at visit, greeting visitors? Now, let me, let me tell you something about my husband. And we were in ministry for 48 years. And I've seen this happen time and time and time again. My husband was a very friendly man. He was friendly after he got to know you. But he was a very shy man. Nobody knew that about Lonnie. He, it, it scared him to death to walk up to someone that was new. He was very intimidated by that. Heaven forbid to put him on a greeting team. And I would struggle with him all the time, say, Lonnie, you need to go out and shake hands with the people before church starts. He would give me all kinds of excuses. Why? Well, I've got to look over my notes before I get out there. <laughs> I thought, you've looked over them all week. Get out there and shake their hand. I looked at Brother Morgan over there that built a huge congregation in Winchester. I watched him maneuver before the crowd. His gifting was visitation and being friendly. He, his gifting was hospitality. Shaking your hand and he, how you doing, brother? What you been doing this week? Did you tell me you worked down there at uh, the plant at so-and-so? Did you? You know I knew somebody down there that worked down there. Can you, what are, what are they paying our down there now? I thought, that guy is a gift of gab, if anybody. I, and he knew everybody. He would never forget a name. And I would punch my husband and say, watch him in action. Now, when we go home, you do that. <laughs> and guess what he'd do? He'd hide back there in his office because he was scared to death to talk to a new person. Who says that every pastor is going to be good at hospitality? That wasn't his gifting. Also, if you've got one man, it creates a, a situation where one person, the pastor, can turn a doctrinally sound church into a heretical church overnight. Jim Jones is a perfect example. You know, they started out as an Assemblies of God, if I'm not wrong on that. Somebody help me out on that. Were they Assemblies of God? I think they were. And then he took, he had no counsel, no one to bounce off of, he was the king in his congregation. What he said went, and then he took all these people to Guyana, and everybody drank the Kool-Aid. You've got to have some powerful checks and balances. It's important, people. It's important. And also, what kinds of problems come from having one Man. 
leads to a paralyzing shortage of national Christian workers in many mission areas because of the assumption that those workers must be professionally trained and imported from outside the church. In other words, that everybody has to go to cemetery, I mean, seminar, seminary, Everybody has to go to seminary. Must be professionally trained. Where is the confidence that the Lord has already supplied the body with the leadership gifts needed? And the last one puts under pressure, puts, puts undue pressure on the pastor's wife and children that they're forced into a fishbowl environment as the preacher's family. Can I tell you that we were the perfect pastor's family? I say that in much jest. We never disappointed anyone. We had, in fact, the last church we went to, there were 17 people that walked out when I walked in. <laughs> That's all it took. <laughs> if you want to see a healthy, <laughs> vibrant, alive, moving and shaking, open up this invisible barrier to the five-fold ministry gifts and allow your men to operate and your women, I might add, but especially your men because men need to lead in the church. I said men need to lead in the church. They need a place in the church. Men don't like to come to church and just sit there. Show me a church where men are leading and I'll show you a church that is successful. It's a five-star church. But one man cannot do this alone. And that takes trust on the pastor's part. It takes trust. And let me say this to the pastors that are watching. It's not trust in your people. You may say that, that you don't have any confidence in your people because they don't have the education or the training to do what they need to do. To do the work that God has told them to do. But in fact, it's not that. It's that you don't have any confidence in God. Do you hear me, pastors, that are listening to this? Because if God has called them into this five-fold ministry to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, Pastors, teachers, if he's called them, he will equip them. The notion today is that everybody has to be a professional. Why? Why must we all be professionals? God called holy men of old out of the muck and the mire of broken civilization. He called Moses. He called a Peter. And he called a Paul. 
a murderer. Moses was a murderer, a prince. Everyone looked up to him, but he had a terrible secret. And when they found out, they threw him out. Those people are in our congregation, and you wouldn't give them a chance, but God will. God will give them a chance. He called a Peter, a rough, rugged, foul-mouthed fisherman, uncouth, unlearned, unpolished, unprofessional. He didn't know when to keep his mouth shut or when to speak up. (laughs) But God called him. You wouldn't call him, but God called him. God would call him into the church. He called a Paul. The religious Paul, the professor, the, the prosecutor, the enemy of the church, the one all of us would shun. All of us should be afraid of him. We can't trust him. You never know when he's going to turn on you. But God called him. God used him. And my, 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 what a difference a Paul made. Amen. When you really think about it, it's not the congregation that you don't trust. It's God. You've got to put your trust and your faith in God and take your hands off the steering wheel and let Jesus take the wheel because he, his hands, he gives these gifts. He does the calling. Let him lead. Well, you say, well, surely you don't think all the problems that you mentioned would vanish if the church simply changed that Pattern of leadership. Well, no, unfortunately, no. I don't think all the problems in the church would vanish. Not overnight, at least. Particularly where the uh, clergy, laity mentality have been firmly entrenched for decades. But even in a case, in such a case, they return to the New Testament pattern, if wholeheartedly adopted to the local church would have a drastic effect on the body of Christ. And I believe a positive effect. I believe the body uh, would seek the gifts. I believe that if we would seek the gifts, I believe that those who are called into this five-fold ministry would step forward and that we would begin to lead with confidence if we were in allowed and we would embrace these gifts and allowed to use them. I believe that the entire church would benefit from their wisdom and their anointing. So do we have these gifts in our midst? We have a wonderful shepherd pastor, Bill Harrison, but he cannot do it all. He has a wonderful capacity to love. He has a gift to preach and teach. He has a great administrative gifting and great wisdom. We have our young shepherd, Joshua Johns, who I don't believe we have even scratched the surface of what this young man is going to do in our midst. I believe that he is very sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. I would love to hear more from him and glean from his wisdom. I know he's being used in the youth ministry, but I believe that his gift is so much more than than that as well as Holly's. And speaking of Holly, what a gift in Holly. She's known all over the United States as an excellent youth leader pastor. She's anointed and gifting 
in the ministry, yes, but she's overtaxed and burdened with too many duties, which is what I've been warning about tonight. You can only stretch your rubber band so far that eventually it breaks. So let's think of all these other ministries that we have amongst us, preachers like Isaac and Matt, Sister Terry, David, Tim, Don, Brenda, Gary. I don't even, I, you know, when you start naming them, I know that I'm going to get in trouble because I'm going to forget some of them. All of these should be active in the church and given opportunities to use their gifts. We have a million-dollar facility sitting here that should be open all the time to teach and equip the believers. Those who feel a call to teach should be trained to teach. I'd love to help you teach. I'm, I'm sure Holly would love to show you how to do Christian uh, children's church, and if she doesn't have time for that, there are others that can teach how to do that and relieve her. Am I making any sense at all? My point is that the people that I mentioned, I was going through Facebook trying to get some of these pictures. Tonight, and I looked at Terry's. And I'm not going to get all gushy on you, but I've been a friend of Terry's for many, many years. All the things that she's done. And go to that next slide, Loretta. And then I saw this one of Matt. Ministering to Brother Payne before he passed away. I saw Terry with all those kids. <laughs> I think I'd have blowed my brains out. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about with these giftings. We've got so much ability here and so much talent. Too much to sit here and not do anything with it. But we got to get up. We got to get up. Oh, hallelujah. We got to quit making excuses. I'm too tired, too poor, too sick. <laughs> can't do, my mom always used to say, can't, never could do nothing. <laughs> you can talk yourself out of anything, but I've learned something too. You can talk yourself into anything. If you want to do it, you can do it. And if you want to build a church here, you can do it. 
And if you want to follow God, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, if you want to be gifted, you can seek for the gifts of the Spirit. You can be used of Him. You can be anointed. You can get up. You can quit being depressed. You can do what God has commissioned you to to do. You can preach. Amen. You can prophesy. You can do what God has told you to do. You can be who God wants you to be. You, you can sit there and say, well, I'm a woman or I'm old. I, I can't do what I'm supposed to do. You can do what God tells you to do. You can be a Roy and go yourself. If a church won't send you, then get on the airplane yourself and go. Do it. Teach it. Be it. blame everybody else oh I you know it's because of this it's because of that oh I'm tired of blaming <laughs> I'm tired of blaming let's quit blaming let's start claiming hallelujah hallelujah let's start claiming and declaring amen let's start calling it into existence 2020 is gone. We've got a new year. We've got a new day. Let's get behind our pastor. Let's operate in the giftings. He's not stopping us from being filled with the Spirit. He's not stopping what's going on in here. We're stopping it, amen? It's because that we're being intimidated. We're sitting there not opening our mouth. We are not laying hands on the sick. We're the ones who are doing it. It's no one's fault but our own. Don't sit there and look at me like a bunch of bullfrogs in a hailstorm. Amen. It's about time that we said, I'm going to stop making excuses and I'm going to be who God has called me to be. Hallelujah. Come on, stand with me. Loretta, let's worship the Lord. For yea, I say unto thee this night, you have heard the word proclaimed. My spirit will do what I plan for it to do. Open your heart, open your mouth, but most of all, open your hand that I may use your hand, that I may use your mouth, that I may use your feet to walk in peace. Let me work through you. Let my spirit work through you. 
let me have my way in your life, in your homes, in this house, in your vessel, that I may do that which I have declared to be done in this church. Thank the Lord. This is Marilyn. I'd like to ask you to consider joining me in prayer for the ministry of this podcast. The world has become more and more digital as we move into the future, which gives all of us a unique challenge to reach people we would never be able to reach through podcasts, streaming services, and social media. This generation is curious about the supernatural. If we deny the supernatural power of God to this present generation, then we're missing a rare opportunity that we have been called to. That's why I call this podcast Biblical Teaching with a Bite, because so many of my lessons have a way of grabbing you with the truth. If you're on board with me, consider supporting this broadcast by contributing each month or whenever you can. You can support this ministry through Venmo by downloading the app and then give to Marilyn Darty at Marilyn-Darty-1. Or you can give to PayPal by downloading their app and then go to paypal.me forward slash Marilyn Darty. Don't forget, if you can't give anything, remember to pray that God would bless this ministry and send us a great harvest. Remember, God loves this great, big, beautiful world. Thank you for listening to Biblical Teaching with a Bite with Minister Marilyn Darty. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. Make sure you subscribe to this channel so you will receive updates when a new message is available. Until next time.